Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you were able to tune in last week or at least go to the website and listen to the show we did. It was a great show about um, are we going to pass the Trump test in? And again, it's not it wasn't a political show. It's really about critical thinking and how to make decisions. So we had a guest on the show that that really focused a lot and had written this great book about the president and and how he felt about it, the pros and the cons. And so I hope you tune into that and don't miss that. So today we are still doing, you know, this month of really talking about anger and what anger does and upset and irritation and why we are so angry sometimes. And and I don't want any of you to ever feel shamed when you think about that, because anger is, is an, an emotion that was God-given, and it's for a reason. And anger is one of the, the most powerful emotions we have when it comes to making huge changes in our world, making changes in our lives, and protecting ourselves. So we don't want to make anger be the bad guy. The The problem that we may have is what we do with our anger. So in the second half, we are going to have a great guest. His name is Michael Clark, and he is the head of Ananias Foundation. And he has struggled with this very issue of domestic violence, and he has a whole organization. So he's going to talk about his story and what his organization does, and I think you will really enjoy hearing about him. So... Let's think about this. Why am I so angry? Okay, so we know that anger can be a force for good. But we also know that that ongoing intense anger is neither helpful or healthy. So here's we're going to talk about really what this is all about, how we get a grip, because one time or another, everyone has felt anger bubbling up. And, you know, we, we have talked about how anger ranges from, you know, mild upset to intense fury, you know, raging fury, and that it's this continuum, it's a gradation. And some of us may jump, you know, 10 steps, and some of us just do this slow ramp up until we get to really furious. So we want to really think about what your anger is like in you. 
and to not not try to minimize that you feel angry. You need to understand that anger is a very, very important indicator. It tells us when we're hurt. It tells us if we're being taken advantage of. It tells us if we're slighted. It tells us if we're in danger. So we need that very healthy alarm in us in order to survive. What we don't want to do is just have that be our go-to, that that's the most natural feeling that we feel, and we don't work on feeling the other emotions like sadness, hurt, or disappointment, or any of the, the, you know, irritation, any of the fearful feelings, you know, frightened, worried, upset, scared, that we want to make sure that we are understanding the full range of feelings that we have, and we don't just naturally, like a superhighway, go straight to anger. So we know that we have all felt that. What we want to think about is, how do we manage this? How do we have good mental health, good anger management? And, and last week, we also talked about, in the week prior, a little bit about what really makes Jesus angry, which is a great way to look at it because it helps us to understand, you know, he was a mortal man. He still was God and a mortal man. He got very angry. And what would cause him to be angry, and what did he do with his anger? So let's talk about this. Anger, it's a very powerful emotion, and it can stem from feelings of, like we said, frustration, hurt, annoyance, disappointment, whatever. It's a normal human emotion, and it has a range. So it can be either harmful or helpful, depending on how we use it, how we express it. So knowing how to express anger, how to recognize it, so that we do appropriate things with it, is really important when we are helping people reach their life goals and having their relationships work in a way that they're satisfied and and renewed and refreshed. It helps us know how to handle emergencies and to solve problems when we really understand our anger so that our anger doesn't take over. And then we have regret. So when we fail to recognize or to understand our own anger, we're going to have a lot of those moments where we have shame after we've expressed it, acted out in it, done something we're not proud of. We may have to apologize for it. Or we may just get more angry because we did something stupid and now we're mad at the person that got us angry because we think that person made us do this stupid thing. So what, what are some dangers of suppressed anger? And you can look this up on um, mental health and managing anger, and you can look it up on WebMD. I like WebMD a lot. They have a lot of great information. So you can always go there and, and look at more information regarding anger and health issues that come with anger. So what are some of those dangers if we suppress anger? And I, and I want you to think about the difference between suppress and repress. See, repressing something means I'm aware of what I'm pushing down. Many times what we have with anger, if we have learned to be angry as kind of a reset, that that's our natural state, and then we try to be nice after the anger or through the anger, we might have a problem with suppression. It might be that we have anger that we really aren't even aware of. So people are maybe a little intimidated by us. They don't feel like they can be close to us. They kind of walk on eggshells around us. 
they're afraid of what we're going to do. We're going to go off. And so they don't tell us certain information. So that might be a sign that you have some suppressed anger, which means that it's now kind of become, in some ways, subconscious. And so if we don't appropriately express anger, we disrupt relationships terribly, and it affects our thinking. Like I said, it affects our behavior patterns, and it can also create a variety, I mean, a a multitude of physical problems. Because chronic long-term anger has been linked, linked to some really important Dangerous health issues like high blood pressure, headaches, skin disorders, digestive problems. And it can also lead many times to addictions. Because many people, because they have that amount of anger that they don't know what to do with, and their anger becomes more angry, and then they get angry because they have anger. And it becomes a cycle. Well, then what happens, we may turn to substances to kind of push that anger down even farther so that we can sort of just get like a a break from it. So what, what are some things I can do that might help to manage anger? So I want you to think about these things. That I'm, that I'm, you know, advocating here for you. And know that they're not easy to do, and they're usually not very natural to do, and they're not very fun, but they really, really work. So when you start to feel angry, I want you to first breathe. Because like we've talked about in previous shows, when the sympathetic nervous system fires and we get that rush of adrenaline, okay, the only way to absorb adrenaline is to either physically do something, right? Like run, break something, scream, yell, whatever it is, or breathe. Because all of those behaviors like running or fighting out anger, we have to do physical exertion. So if you will breathe, it's similar to physically exerting yourself because the oxygen absorbs the adrenaline. It helps you to process the adrenaline so you don't have to act out on it and just try to absorb it. So the more that you can breathe, it helps you to get a handle on what you're thinking. So you can actually observe your thinking. And we've talked about this a lot, about observing your thinking. And do I believe everything I think? And do I believe everything I feel? So when we have a, a flash of anger, or our anger is mounting, you know, and one thing makes us more angry, and another thing leads to more anger, and that slight from that person causes me to feel even angrier, If I take a breath and relax my body, interestingly enough, that relaxing, that oxygen, signals my brain to calm down. Because if there is truly danger, and I'm needing to use anger to to defend myself, I'm not going to try to relax. So if my body is relaxing, it sends my brain a different message. It says, hey, you know, you fired off all this adrenaline, but everything's really going to be okay. I need to relax. I need to calm down. I need to breathe. I need to settle down. And I need to start thinking some positive thoughts like, I probably don't want to say what I'm thinking because I might ruin that relationship. So until I decide I want to end the relationship, I better breathe in because if I breathe in, I can't talk. And this has helped me for years and years 
in my life when I learned to do this. Someone says something to me, I think it's irritating, I think it's offensive, I think it's outrageous. If I'll just take a breath, I can't talk. And I think, hmm, how do I want to handle this? So we want to avoid alcohol. We want to make sure that we are understanding what to do with our anger. We want to seek out some support. You want to talk through your feelings. So call anybody that's not involved in the situation. Because the person that's maybe causing anger is probably not the person to help you calm down. So learn how to laugh at yourself. Practice some really good listening skills. And more than anything, learn to use your words. Assert yourself. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about anger management and domestic violence. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much again for all your participation on social media. And I love the reviews. If you'll give me reviews on Google, you can go to CynthiaHyatt.com, the website. And that, that really helps as we get the word out about the show and just being able to give people just that necessary information. And so we are talking about anger, if you're just tuning in. And we do have a great guest in the next segment. His name is Michael Clark. He is recovering from domestic violence, and he has a great, I think it's an international organization at this point, called Ananias, that really helps people that struggle with anger to the point of domestic violence. So I don't want you to miss that interview with him. So we are talking about this management of anger and what it all can do in terms of physically harming us if we're not careful, and what what we really can do with it. So what are some ways we can tame our temper um, more than what we talked about in that, that first segment. So Mayo Clinic has some really good information as well. So I like that um, they have some great, just very cognitive information. So first of all, we talked in the last segment that if I feel a flash of anger, resentment, disappointment, upset, frustration, irritation, if I just will take a breath, I can't talk. If I breathe in, I can't talk. So then I don't have to try to take words back that I regret I said. So if I take in a breath, I also get a lot of oxygen, which helps to absorb adrenaline, helps me to calm down the emotional system so that I can think. Then you can speak. So make sure you give yourself the opportunity to think before you speak. Once you're calm, this is when you might want to talk about anger. What caused the anger for you? What caused the disappointment, the upset, the hurt, the frustration, the disgust? Whatever that feeling is, once you've calmed down, then it's possible maybe to talk about it. That's when you want to make sure you use, right, the famous I statements. Or the when you, I feel. So when you, and identify a behavior... So when you don't return my phone calls in a timely manner, I feel frustrated. Which is much better than saying to the person, oh my gosh, you're so rude and so disgusting that you won't even return my phone calls. Right? The first one's going to get a much better response. So think about that when you, I feel. And make sure that talking about a feeling that you're stating, I 
feel angry. I feel sad. I feel anxious. I feel a little offended. I feel a little annoyed. I'm feeling very frustrated. Whatever that might be, because it's very empowering to help calm your body down. When you give emotions words, you have more control over them. So another thing, really important, take a time out if you need to. Say to the person, I think I'm getting really worked up. I better take a time out. Give me about five, ten minutes and walk away. That's a very polite thing to do. And it shows lots of great self-control. And it also causes the other person to have time to think as well. So make sure that you take advantage of that versus, you know, throwing something and storming out and slamming the door. So these are really helpful and they're hard to do if you don't breathe, because if you don't breathe, you're not able to think, you just feel. How about this? Take, you know, so get some exercise. And one of the things that I have found that really helps that I tell people about is this idea that if you, as you are walking, even if you don't want to do, you know, running or lots of huge, big aerobic, you know, exercise, just every time you walk and your foot hits the ground, send your anger, your upset, your disappointment into the earth. And I'm telling you, it sounds strange, but it really works. So if you have things you can't just release and you keep thinking and thinking and thinking, one of the things that helps is just say, you know what? Every time my foot hits the ground, I'm going to send that event into the earth so I don't think about it anymore. I'm going to send the anger. I'm going to send the upset, the irritation, the offense into the ground so that I can actually think cognitively about it and not emotionally. So get some exercise. How about this? Don't hold a grudge. Now, you know on this show we have talked about things like this quite a bit. If you hold a grudge and you keep nursing it, the offense will always get bigger. It will change your whole demeanor, and it will then start to bleed over into other areas of your life and other relationships. I would love to think that we could contain anger and upset and offense, but it has a tendency to have no boundaries. So if you are holding a grudge, if you are practicing resentment, you have to understand that there's a lot of physical ailments that come from resentments and holding grudges. It makes it really hard for us to hear from God as well. It makes us hard to hear from that higher part of ourself. It starts to collect information for us about why the grudge and the offense is so justified. So our brain starts working on that problem. It starts to, to show us all the different areas that people have done this to us and shows us new areas of offenses. And so we start to go down this whole entire list of all the offenses that have occurred. And by now, we're pretty locked and loaded, right? So we have to be very careful about holding a grudge and remind yourself, forgiveness does not make it okay. If I have to forgive something, it must not be okay. I don't have to forgive things that are good. So forgiveness is about setting me free so God can actually manage that person better. Forgiveness is helping me to give back to that person whatever it is they gave to me. I forgive them and move on. Now, if I need to reconcile a relationship, then I may need to talk to them about what I'm forgiving. 
But I really recommend that you get a handle on the anger before you do that so that you can talk logically about that hurt and you can use the when you I feel. So try and use humor to release tension if you can. Now, not I'm not saying inappropriately, but sometimes it helps if we just laugh at ourselves and go, wow, I don't know why I'm getting so upset about this. What is up with me? And really just relaxing and use that moment to relax. So it's also important that maybe on an ongoing basis you practice some relaxation techniques and skills. Because you have to remember you have muscle memory. So any of you that have done athletics, any of you that have have done any of these different, like maybe you played the piano, you played an instrument, you were an artist, any of these things, you rode a bike. See, we we can not ride a bike for 10 years and our muscles still have memory of it and can do it for us. So the more you practice anger, the more skilled you become at it. The more you practice relaxing, the more skilled you become at it. You teach your body that every time somebody offends me, I automatically relax. Automatically. Now, it's taken me years to do that, but it works really well, and I'm very thankful for it because I have tremendous self-control, and I didn't always. I mean, I'm a quite dramatic person, so any of you that know me know that I can be quite dramatic. And thankfully, I've learned these skills so that all of that drama really only is for good. And people enjoy it. So I'm very, very able to control those feelings of offense, disappointment, being let down, being offended, all those things. Because I've practiced relaxing and breathing. And then know when you need to seek some help. So if any of this is, is making sense, make sure you listen to this next segment as we talk to Michael Clark about anger. Welcome back. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining today. And if you are just tuning in, I want to make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can download the show straight from the website, or you can go to any of the podcast services, and we're on, I think, all of them, So, or the most of them. So you can always find the show there as well if you miss this first half hour. So we are really talking again about this whole issue of anger. And for Christians, many times anger is a a strange thing to talk about because we feel like that somehow is a sin. And we need to really educate ourselves and remind ourselves that anger is a necessary function for human survival and that God gave us that emotion. What what he's wanting us to do is manage it well. And so many times it becomes a go-to for people and They end up many times as well with men have a tendency to feel either happy or mad. So men don't typically like to feel the weaker feelings of sadness or scared. So anger has a tendency sometimes to manifest more in men. Now, our society is changing dramatically and we are seeing a much uh, higher rise of domestic violence from both sides. So I have a man today I'm very excited about. His name is Michael Clark, and he has an Ananias Foundation. And he is certainly someone that has overcome this issue of anger. And he really helps men all the way all across the nation. And he speaks, and he has a website, and all these things that are very helpful for men when it comes to domestic violence. Because many times in our churches, 
we might feel quite a bit of shame in trying to talk about it. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Cynthia, thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself, and we are going to do your story in the next segment. So tell us some about yourself and what you do. Yes, certainly. So uh, 15 years ago, I was arrested not once but twice for domestic violence. And I knew that what I was doing was wrong. It wasn't the person that I wanted to be. But I just found myself in those situations where uh, my, my emotions would just overwhelm me. And that action, either nasty, hurtful, damaging words would come out or worse, uh, you know, something physical you know, like a push or a slap um, would come out. And I didn't know why I was doing that. And honestly, I didn't know um, because I didn't completely understand why I was doing it. I didn't know how to stop, um, even though I was motivated to stop. And so uh, that was really the beginning of my journey of getting arrested for domestic violence and saying, I've got to figure this out. And so in that process of uh, trying to figure out both the why and the how to stop, um, I did a lot of research and um, I had a very good counselor at the time and I started going to church. And so I can tell you that that relationship with Christ and, and counseling really made the big difference in my ability to, to change and to heal the issues that were driving my behavior. Wow. I and think so, it's really, amazing. Um, yeah. And so, um, you know, at the time of going through that, I can tell you that I thought this is a lot harder than it should be. Certainly other people have been through this, and yet the, the answers were not obvious. And so I had this thought, you know, if I ever figure this out, I want to reach back and help other people who are experiencing the same thing I am. And so here we are 15 years later. And uh, you know, that's essentially what I've done and what we do at the Ananias Foundation is to uh, provide resources and guidance for individuals who have harmed their partner in some way, either emotionally or physically, but want to change. Oh, I think that's wonderful because, you know, many times we don't think that there's um, necessarily domestic violence unless there's actual physical violence. And we forget that there is financial violence that people can do. There is, you know, certainly physical. There's emotional. There's spiritual. There's all different types of ways that we can try to exert an inordinate amount of unhealthy power over someone. And it's that insight of knowing what's driving this, where is this coming from. And I, I, I would imagine that's one of the hardest things to do is to get past talking about the shame of talking about it to actually get the answers. Oh, you are so right. And this is a topic that there is a lot of stigma surrounding and a lot of shame uh, for those of us who have done that. And so um, one of the things that, that I knew personally is that, you know, it was very uncomfortable to go talk to somebody about it, whether it was a counselor or a pastor And uh, so we have designed our organization to be an online resource. So I am comfortable going down to the man cave or going, Mm -hmm. you know, somewhere into the, you know, privacy of my room, getting on the computer and searching for 
you know, why do I hurt my spouse? Why right. do I? Well, let's uh, um, let's off? do that in the next segment here, Michael. Thank you. So join us in the next segment because he has some really great resources for us as well as his story. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining in today. And we have a special guest. His name is Michael Clark, and he has developed the Ananias Foundation. And this is a really important, just a really important social and emotional resource for us because he's really talking about domestic violence. But this issue of anger, and and we as Christians many times has so much shame when it comes to this that we just want to try to fix it all on our own. And I think Michael is is certainly in agreement with me when I say that this is not one of those things you can just fix by yourself. Isn't that right, Michael? Uh, you're right. It, um, we're, we're not educated or geared towards figuring out these things. And so definitely getting some help from a professional or hearing from someone who has been down that path who can provide some guidance and direction um, is is so helpful. And, you know, just hearing some of that motivation that change is possible and uh, this is the direction and the path for making those changes, these are the things to pay attention to. And these are the things that probably aren't going to make a lot of difference. It's so helpful because it can be really overwhelming. Yes. So tell us how you kind of found your way through this and then ended up actually having this be, you know, from God, this great calling of helping other men. Right. Well, I think I mentioned earlier that I had a good counselor that I was working with, and he did a a good job of setting up the reasons why um, I was behaving the way I was. And it really kind of all came back to this big unanswered question of, am I lovable? And I knew that that was the question behind a lot of my bad, violent, angry reactions, but I didn't really have an answer for that. And it was really when I started going to church and paying attention to that message of God loves me. And, you know, if the creator of the universe loves us, that's a game changer. And so... That really is what started uh, my healing and change and uh, being able to think about myself and my circumstances differently. I think that that is uh, really important to help listeners understand this idea. It seems like a contradiction to say my abusive behaviors came from a feeling of not feeling lovable when our society tells us it's about being macho and entitled and arrogant and all these things. Yeah, and those are just fronts for right. that fear and that weakness that we have underneath. And But it absolutely helps to have people guide you through that and, and help you um, understand that and uh, point you in that direction or ask you those questions so that, um, you know, Kaisha was never confronted with that question before. I never thought of it that way before. And, you know, once you get some of that guidance and direction, then we can get on the right path and we can discover that healing and and then the change follows. 
So how how did you learn this? Because part of what you know I I've learned about you is that the message you know that you were getting didn't really make a lot of sense to you, and you because you already knew that hitting was wrong, right? And right. you didn't feel superior and entitled. And many of the other men in your class felt this same way. So how did you guys, how did you figure all this out? What what was the process? Well, I'm kind of a stubborn individual, Cynthia. <laughs> so, um, really? You know, I was, de- <laughs> I was determined to not let this ruin my life. I was determined to not be that person. So I was personally motivated uh, to, to figure things out and to solve, solve that. And um, so I read all the books that I could find that I thought were relevant. I checked out websites. And, you know, like I mentioned, I, I spent some time, um, very valuable time with my counselor. And so it was really a matter of piecing it together and figuring out what messages resonated with me, what made sense, uh, and which ones, when I applied them, they actually changed how I thought and how I felt. And I didn't feel that a wave of emotion coming over me anymore. And so it was it was a lot of trial and error, and it just seemed to me that we need to make this easier for people. Right, we need to right. be able to filter out some of the messages that aren't particularly helpful and uh, point people to the ones that are. And so that's really what we try to do. do, do you, did you have domestic violence growing up? I mean, were you role modeled that? Or were you more, had abandonment types of stuff? Or both? You know, I did see uh, my dad and, and mom get into physical mm-hmm. altercation. Okay. And so uh, it, there wasn't a lot of it. Right. You know, there were three or four that I witnessed or witnessed the aftermath of you know, in my entire childhood. So it, it wasn't a lot. My father was an alcoholic. And so, um, you know, maybe many of your listeners will, this will resonate with mm-hmm. them who had an alcoholic parent. We come out of childhood a little bit wounded and a little bit traumatized when we have an addicted parent. Well, not, not, so a, little, not probably, a little bit, a lot. Okay. <laughs> so, there, so there were elements uh, of that. You know, that said, I know that there are individuals that have much more traumatic childhoods than I did. Mm-hmm. Mine wasn't certainly the worst, but it wasn't the best. Right. And, um, you know, none of us get out of childhood completely unscathed. That's right. Because we have mistake-making people that are raising us. That's right. I Absolutely. think I think that's really important to recognize. It's not that we are giving anyone an, a pass or an excuse, but there is a difference between an excuse and an explanation. And so many times the explanation is very helpful to understand that, wow, if that's what I saw, if that's what I was role modeled, even if on an intellectual level I said I'm never going to do that, on an emotional, relational level, I learned it. Right. And so it's tough to just... Go ahead, yes. Yeah, and when we're in that high stress, getting overwhelmed with our emotions situation and our brain is getting hijacked by all those emotions it somehow remembers that path of oh here this might be a solution maybe i'll say this really nasty hurtful thing or maybe i'll slap this individual and you know even if we didn't see it in our families we've all seen it in movies and on television and and hear it in the media and so uh we all have that memory of that happening 
And sometimes there are no consequences, you know, in that movie or that show that we saw. That's right. Uh, you know, somebody gets slapped and, boy, that put an end to the argument. And yet that's not the reality and that's not good for our relationships. Well, and I think, you know, there's kind of a, I guess what I would call a double bind with domestic violence because, you know, you start with huge amounts of abandonment is usually part of the therapeutic process for anyone that, that, especially men that struggle with domestic violence, and that feeling, you know, abandonment and then that feeling of being so unlovable, and then your behaviors kind of capitalize on the feeling of being unlovable because you're doing an unlovable behavior, right? Right. And so it just kind of compounds it. Yeah, and so, um, you know, we get arrested and we have a restraining order, so we can't see our loved one or our loved one moves out, and that creates an even worse crisis for us. So, yeah, you're you're absolutely right that we end up becoming our own worst enemy in those situations, and whatever fear we have just got compounded by the the circumstances and and situation we created. And and you start to believe it, and then the enemy tells you that you really are that guy. And right. and it becomes right. really painful. Be, and at the same time, all you're trying to do is figure out how to connect with people, and you're doing the very thing that causes you not to connect. That's absolutely right. Very insightful. It's very tough, and and there's such a stigma about it. How did you overcome that stigma? And did you were you able to put back together some relationships you had? You know, the marriage that I was in. Um, when I committed my acts of violence, I was, we spent six years trying to reconcile and I was never able to do that. Mm. And so, um, I regret that. Uh, but that also damaged relationships I had with my kids, uh, and with my extended family. And so I am very happy to say that I have a great relationship with my now adult children. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I have been blessed, you know, to have some time of being single, and then uh, a couple of years ago, married a wonderful woman. And you know, well, you know we don't have a perfect relationship. That's wonderful yeah, to thank hear. You. Uh, we don't have a perfect relationship either, but I can tell you, there's no abuse and violence in there, and so we just have the, you know, ordinary vanilla run of the mill, uh, you know, conflict <laughs> Dysfun- that we have to the work regular through. normal American dysfunction. <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that because, you know, it's so, I I don't think people understand the difference between women coming to therapy and men coming to therapy. And I have a, my caseload is, I have a lot of men on my caseload. I have really have a heart for them. And women and, and society in many ways doesn't understand what it means for a man to need that help. That in and of itself makes it very difficult to get therapy because they think they are they are supposed to fix it all on their own and they shouldn't have a problem. Right. Or um, that, you know, talking to a counselor yes. is not going to help me at all. Right. You know? And right. that's, that's right. one of those things, one of those myths that we try to dispense, you know, whenever we can fold it into our information. You know, here's a concept, here's a strategy you can use. And oh, by the way, um, a counselor maybe can help you with this. And so right. we try to destigmatize going to counseling and just really talk about it as, you know, every athlete, even elite athletes at the highest level, uh, have coaches. That's right. CEOs have coaches. And so it makes sense to have someone who's reflecting back to you 
and able to see you objectively and, um, you know, feeding you information that you may be blind to otherwise. And so we try to destigmatize that and to make that barrier lower. And I, I certainly, when I talk, I try to talk about that too, um, because sometimes if you know someone who, you know, seems like they're kind of normal and they admit that they've gone to counseling, hey, maybe it didn't completely mess them up, right? Right, so, exactly. Um, well, yeah. you know, we're coming to the end. I can't believe it happened so quickly. So what we have about a minute left. What would you like the listeners to know and how they can get a hold of you? You know, the first thing I would say is that if you identify in a relationship where um, you know that some of the things you're saying or doing are causing harm, I want you to know that change is possible and Amen. that there is a path. And, you know, I just urge you to find that because on the other side of that change is a piece that you didn't know was even possible. And so, uh, you know, just encourage people, don't look for those solutions. You can certainly check out our website. It's Ananias Foundation. That's A-N-A-N-I-A-S Foundation, all one word, dot org. Uh, and we've got lots of resources and, and books and classes and groups and stuff that they can connect with there. Well, I so appreciate you, your transparency and, and being on the air today and giving listeners such great information and hope. You know, God is always the God of hope and he does incredible reformation and healing in us. And you are just a great example. So God bless you in all the work that you do. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Amen. And thank you for having me. Great. Well, stay on the line and I'll chat with you a little bit after. Okay. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please Take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.